A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking about baseball and, of course, the defending World Series champion Cubs. Hi, this is Ken. I'm Rice Cube on Twitter, and with me, back from Burning Man, is Anno. Hey, Ben, how are you? Fantastic. Back from the wilderness, back in the saddle. Picked a great week to miss. As I was driving, I noticed that the Cubs were getting their asses kicked, like 10 to nothing in the first inning. So I was kind of glad to miss that game. And then the Friday game, I was following around along, because I got a Brief signal here or there. Saw they were up eight to nothing early. Then they almost blew it. And then thankfully Mr. Russell put the Cubs back on top for good in the ninth. That was fun. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Two I fo- good games to miss. I followed that game. Uh it, it was kind of annoying. I pretty much, you know, just considered, well, they're keeping it tied, they'll probably win, so that that helped a little bit. That did. And then they finished off the sweep on Sunday. Yep. So and, uh, I'm not quite sure if the Cubs are good, the Orioles are bad. A little bit of something both. Something in, in between. I think it's a little of both. And uh, we can probably, you know, as of this recording, we're right before the Braves series, and the Braves are surprisingly unbad. So <laughs> that, that should be an interesting series as well. And if they can at least win the series against the Braves – uh, then we can kind of surmise that the Cubs might be on the right track, but you never know. There are like 71 games left, so uh, they, they look to be in pretty good shape. Like if Milwaukee can lose a few games here or there, that would make me happy, but uh, the Cubs can only control what they, they can, right? People smarter than me looked ahead at the projected schedules. The Cubs have the third easiest schedule the rest of the way. The Brewers just barely fall under the favorable mark, so they just barely have an unfavorable schedule. Yeah. So that should help, but it hasn't really mattered who the Cubs have been playing too much. They've beaten some great teams. They've gotten embarrassed by some bad teams. So it's kind of unknown at this point what can and will happen the rest of the way. Yeah, it should be very interesting. Well, anyway... uh I got a job, so that was fun. It's always good to have a job. Yeah, especially when they kind of, like, take your job away on the very, very last day of the school year, and you're just like, whoa, this was unexpected. Yeah, bastards. Yeah, but, you know, it, it was kind of like a stressful job hunt, but I do have a job, and I'm very happy about that. Ah, me too, man. Me too. Yep. Congratulations, by the way. So less stress, uh, more Cubs, which 
produces a different kind of stress. But thankfully, they did just win the World Series, so whatever. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a plan. Uh, we can talk about our very newest uh, toy, Mr. Jose Quintana. That was fun. Uh, he had a fantastic outing. Are the Cubs actually hot or not? We sort of alluded to that, but we can talk about that some more. Possible uh, additional trades that the Cubs can make before the July 31st deadline. Also, we want to pimp out our friend Danny Rocket's song about oh, oh, Edwards Jr. Eddie! <laughs> but yeah, that that's a lot of fun. How's that for a plan, sir? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it! Sounds great. Let's do this. As the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy-colored dreams, toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. So, Jose Quintana, who, who saw that coming? Yeah, I haven't even heard any rumors about that. I mean, for the longest time, we've heard neither team wants to deal with the other because neither one wants to lose the trade to their crosstown rival. No one wants to see their star player helping the other team in town who's taken your fans do good. I mean, for God's sake, their owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, said, yeah, I want the Cubs to win the World Series after I'm dead. So you know their owner doesn't want to do anything to help the Cubs. Yeah. Well, thankfully, so that uh, was kind yeah. of a surprise. Just, just got to put it out there. Thankfully, the Cubs did win before he had to die, so maybe that softened his stance a little bit. Maybe. Either <laughs> that or he's so old he doesn't even notice or remember what happened. Uh, that's kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, that was a spectacular debut, despite the fact that he kind of, Quintana kind of struggled as a White Sox earlier this year. But he had, uh, I believe it was seven very good starts leading up to this trade. So, and we've always known that he was probably a very good pitcher. Uh, it's debatable whether he's top of the line or not. Uh, my guess is, based on what he's produced so far, and there are various articles, including from Fangraphs, that shows how similar he was to one John Lester. And so, uh, you know, considering that John Lester got like $155 million thrown at him, and he's been spectacular so far in his Cubs career. I think, you know, somebody who comes in and basically is a John Lester clone and hopefully holds on runners just a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully. Yeah, that, that in my view, is a good trade on the Cubs end, on the White Sox end. Like, they – it was painful. Yeah, it was. We lost two guys who – I really like in our system. Um, but hey, at the moment, they're just really low-level ball players who have ex extremely high ceilings. They are very, very good chance lottery tickets that could turn out to be superstars for the White Sox for a very long time. But at the same time, they're unknowns. They might be 4A players. They might be complete busts. They might just be average players when they reach the major leagues. But they could also be superstars. The point is, you're trading possible superstars for a guy that you already know is a stud. I mean, looking back at his stats, 
what they do? They scored like what five runs for him in that that first, that one that one inning I on Sunday. I think was it was it four? four. It was four at first, and they tacked on yeah. two more. And by the time he left, he had six runs, and then Anthony Rizzo hit a two-run homer, just you know icing on the cake. So that was a lot of fun. It I, was. I, I really liked Gordon that. Gordon Wittenmeyer had a nice stat out there. The Cubs scored more runs for Jose Quintana in that one inning than the White Sox did his entire career on average for, per nine innings. <laughs> they averaged like 3.95 runs per nine innings for Quintana his entire career with them. And it comes top that in one easy inning. Yeah. Uh, he's he's got a... Thank the, the Orioles, but... Yeah. It, it's kind of nice for him, too, because the first game he was there, it was in an American League ballpark. He hasn't had the bet yet, so he doesn't really have that, like, pressure on him. But uh, I, I feel like most pitchers who come from the American League and go to the National League get like a little boost just because of the lack of DH and also yeah. because most most teams in the NL just aren't that good right now. So it, this could be a very valuable trade for the Cubs, not just this year, but for the next three years because I think he has another guaranteed year and then two extra options. These are team options, so he, he doesn't really have a choice. Like the Cubs can just say, well, you know, even though you're probably worth $30 million now, your contract says we could pick you up for 10.5. And, of course, the Cubs could decide, hey, you know, I, I really like you. And just like with, say, uh, Chris Bryant, who they didn't have to do anything for, they could have given him, like, you know, $600,000. They gave him a million. They could decide, well, we'll restructure a contract and we'll give you even more money than the 10.5. So the Cubs have a lot of flexibility here in what they de decide to do for the next three years. So, And those three years are, coincidentally, how long, about how long you would think uh, Elo Jimenez and Dylan Cease would take to become impactful at the major league level because neither has made the double A uh, system yet. Yeah, I believe one's at um, high A and the other is still at low A. Cease is at low A, right? I think he's at South Bend, yeah. Right. Yeah. He I mean, was. they're both performing. Jimenez yeah. is performing great, Yeah. but he it's still high A. Yeah, he was at the Futures game for the second year in a row, and that's a big deal. And he's a consensus top ten prospect, so that's like that's a huge deal. And Dylan Cease was the second best prospect. It, it's kind of like the price you consider for a front line starter. And like a lot of Cubs fans were looking at his ERA or his win loss record or his no decisions and saying, you know, this guy is bad and not worth it. And I'm just like, well. Have you seen Look his where he's coming from. Has seen his peripherals and the fact that he doesn't have a lot of run support and whatnot. It's yeah, it's uh, yeah. And the White Sox didn't give him any run support pretty much his entire career. So it's kind of hard to judgment of how much or how much he's worth if you just go off of win loss records. I had a fun stat on the score this morning. When the White Sox give him at least three runs, he's got an absurd winning percentage. Hmm. So he doesn't even need a lot of run support. He just needs some. Huh. And the Cubs gave him that and more on, on Sunday. Yep. 
I just uh, kind of looked this up on a whim, but uh, Jose Quintana has zero career hits and 27 at-bats, 22 <laughs> plate appearances. He has one walk, uh, one RBI. That's probably coming from a sack fly. Let me double-check on that. Yes, it is a sack fly. Three sacrifice bunts, one sack fly, one RBI because of that sack fly, and 16 strikeouts. So he's 0 for 27 to start his career as a major leaguer. I what was Lester? 0 for 70? 0 for something really ridiculous. Really bad. Yeah, so, you know, at some point next uh, next week when Quintana pitches again, and I believe that'll be against the, the St. Louis Cardinals. Yep. Uh, we can and then he faces the White Sox. Yeah, he could potentially he could potentially get his first hit against one of those. Well, I think he's pitching against the the White Sox, isn't it? At the cell. At the cell, or, yeah. It's a guaranteed rate. Guaranteed. Oh yeah, but uh, weird things have happened where American League teams have had to sacrifice the DH for one reason or another. So I'll I'll, I'll keep that statement in. <laughs> hey, Lester got his first hit against the Cardinal. Why not Quintana? Why not, indeed? So uh, we have a situation where the Cubs are once again above 500. For like the 50th time this year. Yeah, it sure seems that way, doesn't it? And uh, it's hard. Kind of annoying. Yeah, it's hard hard to tell, like, what if they are actually on the right track anymore. But uh, Wilson Contreras kind of said, well, we are back and... You know, we, we talked a little bit about this at the intro, but are they good or are the Orioles just bad? And if they face another uh, team with a decent enough pitching staff in the Braves, and the Braves are actually hitting a lot better. They get Freddie Freeman back. Matt Kemp is hitting. He's not an MVP candidate, but he's definitely hitting. Brandon Phillips is there now. He's hitting. So everybody is playing above their heads right now. And I feel like this could be a challenging series for the Cubs. So, how- However, mm-hmm. they had one of the Braves reporters on the score again this morning or afternoon. And this is a ballpark where lefties mash the ball. And facing Tehran tonight, right? Tehran, yeah. Hilly Tehran. He has really struggled at his home ballpark. They can't. They don't know why he's been pitching as poorly as he has been this year. At least at home, he's like horrible at home, but he's pretty damn good on the road. So there's something with that ballpark, and he's who the Cubs are facing tonight. But one of the reporters that covers that team pretty much says that expect Rizzo and Schwarber to go off tonight, especially this entire series. Uh, so I'm looking at a map of the. Of this new SunTrust ballpark, 325 to the right field corner, 335 to left field, 375 to the alleys, 402 to the gaps, and like, you know, just left of center and just right of center, and 400 on the dot to straightaway center. So it's not a small ballpark, but the if you can pull it, it's like an easy home run. And Yeah, it's a left-handed hitter's haven. Which is why the guy said Rizzo and Schwarber could have very good series. Uh, we we could look up Hark factors real quick, uh, but it it's kind of weird. Like it it's obviously not an altitude like Colorado or Arizona. It's not exactly 
uh, one of the NLS ballparks. It's I, I don't know if the humidity is messing with it or something, but uh, it, it's kind of strange for Julio Tehran to struggle at a ballpark that sort of looks like the old one, but is just like 30 miles down the road or some such. Yeah, I don't get it, but hey, that's baseball, man. Yeah. So according to ESPN, SunTrust Ballpark is at a 1.046 runs, which is just slightly, slightly considered a hitter's park. Uh, Wrigley, on the other hand, is trending just a little bit below 1.033. So you know, it's it's a even more offensive. I guess, environment than Wrigley Field is. So I don't know how, how much that, that helps, but, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. They're not actually hitting that many home runs in the ballpark, but they do have, you know, a lot of doubles and, and triples there for whatever reason. It's kind of weird that way, too. As the spring gave away to summer Past the ivy colored dreams Toward the days that kept us Yearning for tomorrows. So that's that. Uh, after Atlanta, of course, we come home. The Cubs come home to Wrigley Field and face the Cardinals. The Cardinals are about a game back of the Cubs right now. Cubs are chasing four and a half games against Milwaukee. So this obviously has a number of factors because the Cubs are now within five and a half games of the second wildcard spot because Colorado's been messing up. Uh, they're four and a half behind Milwaukee, as I said. They're a game up on St. Louis. They kind of need to win the series against St. Louis to not only gain ground against Milwaukee, but also to hold back the Cardinals. Yeah, that would that'd be nice. The Cubs and Cardinals have been fairly even matched this year. I think they're actually they've won uh, two of the series against the Brewers so far. They've won two of the series against the Cards as well. So against the Central only, I believe that the Cubs are better matched than against the East or the West or the AL for that matter. So it's the fact that they haven't faced uh, too many Central foes that they, they, they're having issues. And they also had some hiccups against the Pirates and the Reds as well. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at the, the rest of the schedule since uh, we had talked about how easy on paper, it's supposed to be for the Cubs. So we got Cubs, Shedrer. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so for the rest of July, so the 31st is on a Monday, and that, that makes sense. So for the rest of July, we have, of course, Atlanta starting tonight. We got St. Louis. Got the White Sox uh, home and away, or home and home. Got... Going to Milwaukee, and then that's it. Uh, they have the trade deadline off, so the trade deadline should be interesting. We'll see like who else is playing on that deadline, but there won't be a hug watch in the Cubs dugout or anything because there won't be a game, unless there's a trade on like the 30th or something. But uh, we we probably won't see a hug watch. And then starting in August, in the first week it will be very tough. They've got the Diamondbacks and Washington. That could be kind of rough. Yeah, they did split against the uh, Nationals, and I think the Diamondbacks are also scuffling a little bit. So you never know. Like uh, within a few weeks, 
just the narratives change because of how Cubs play, but over the long run, you you kind of assume that the Cubs are good. They are likely to make a second half run just like they did uh, last year and the year before that. I mean, this is the same team. You you put a lot of faith in them, so I think that'll be fine. Could it be our heroes' moment? Could they somehow find a way? Will they rid us of these ghosts of shame? And since we're talking about the trade deadline, maybe we should talk about some of these rumors that have been cropping up. Yeah, the Cubs are connected to a lot of different pitchers. Just depends if they want to pay the price to get them, both financially and prospects. Yeah. You've got Sonny Gray, you've got Verlander. Some people have even mentioned Tyrant, and that started for the Braves. There's a bunch of got pitchers and even some relievers that have been connected to the Cubs. Like Zach Britton. Zach Britton's one guy that a lot of insiders are saying the Cubs might be targeting. Yeah, I think that it was just like the one insider because it said industry source and not industry sources. But uh, it kind of makes sense because he is controlled past this season. Uh, Wade Davis is going to be a, a free agent after this season. And we kind of are concerned about how the Cubs are going to spend their remaining currency because there is no more surplus anymore. They've basically shaved off the top of that the farm system. The rest of the farm is essentially in the majors right now. Yeah. And while the prospects aren't completely all thrown out, they still have some really nice prospects. None of them are the, oh my God, this guy's going to be a superstar prospect. They're certainly interesting. Very interesting names. One guy that the Cubs do make another trade to go will be Candelario. He's, I think, their top prospect at this point now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think uh, we had discussed uh, somebody else, too. Uh, Andy and I were talking about this on Twitter and on Facebook earlier, but uh, I feel like a guy like Jeff Samarja might also be in play because the Giants are horrible right now. And They are. Yeah, and on first at first glance, it looks like Samarja is horrible as well. But uh, he's striking a lot of guys. He's not walking a lot of guys. He's just giving up a lot of base runners and a lot of home runs. And part of that might be due to the bad defense behind him. Part of that might be due to, like, the huge parks in, in the NL West. But it, it's just very interesting how that, that kind of works. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing Samarja back. Um, he'd be in, like, a nice number four pitcher. Yeah, I feel like Maybe he. Five. I feel like he uh, would be a lot cheaper to get than a Verlander or or a Sonny Gray. Oh, absolutely. Both cost prospects and contract wise. I, I feel like just based on how little you, you perceive the Cubs farm system to have right now, they might trade. Not for a pitcher, but for maybe a backup catcher like Alex Avila. Yeah, I'd say that might be the more needed asset at this point. Because I know Caratini can hit. Caratini can uh, looks pretty capable behind the plate as well. But uh, if you want somebody who's more of a veteran now that Miguel Montero's gone to help Wilson out, then maybe... 
that that's what it takes. And maybe there's like someone else on the waiver wire. Maybe uh, there's someone else who could be brought in on a minor league contract that could help as a true backup rather than Caratini, who you know probably should get more playing time. This isn't taking anything away from Contreras, who's been bashing the ball the past few games because of a change in the swing and a change in the bat. He's not using Matt Caesar's bat, but he is using Caratini's bat. Yeah, there's an irony for you. <laughs> but ever since he's made a few slight changes, he's just been on fire. And, but he can't play every day. And while you think you might want to see Caratini play more, you can't underestimate the importance of a veteran catcher, especially late in the season, definitely not in the playoffs. Somebody that's been there, done that, knows how to handle a pitching staff. I mean, look at David Ross last year. He wasn't the best player, but his veteran leadership made a lot of difference. Yeah. And it missing at the start of this year might have had an impact on how well the team played. Not exactly a great player, but his importance to the team far outweighed what he could do with the bat. Mm. I kind of feel like they might do a few waiver trades before August 31st, before September call-ups come by. But right now, it it almost seems like the Cubs are perfectly happy to kind of play the leaks and maybe drive up prices for other teams. And at the same time, they might just be happy with standing pat. They might. However, yeah. there is also one other name they've been connected to uh-huh. a lot, and that's D. Gordon. Huh. Everyone keeps saying the Cubs need a leadoff hitter. They need to get somebody at the top of the lineup who's a traditional leadoff hitter. And the name that keeps getting brought up is Miami's D. Gordon. Yeah. Problem is, you're going to have to probably say goodbye to somebody at the major league level, like, say, Javier Baez. Or even Addison Russell. Yeah. And Russell's been on fire since the break, since the yeah. break as well. Javier's got some good hits, too. I, I feel like the Cubs are so reluctant to deal from the major league level. Like, the most expendable guy I can think of is probably Albert Almora right now at the major league level, and I don't think they want to deal him either. Oh, no, I don't want to get rid of him. I mean, I think he's going to be a stud. Yeah. He's not oh. going to be a 50-home run guy, but he could very easily be a great leadoff hitter one day. And I wish he would play more than he is. Because that glove alone is, will win you a lot of games. He's yeah. a phenomenal defensive center fielder. Yeah, he, he's pretty good. Like, he's not fast or anything, but he gets good reads and he get runs good routes. To the ball, and at, he just so happened to score the winning run in the World Series. So. Yeah, that was a big deal, man. That that was great. Like uh, I, I know a lot of Cubs and uh, like you know a newspaper that runs with, rhymes with fun times that is not fun at all are, are saying that the Cubs shouldn't worry about their futures or anything uh, with the Katana trade. Some of them th- think maybe they gave up too much. Yada yada. It it's kind of uh, interesting to note that. Almost every single one of the first-round picks has made the major league level, like, at this point. I'm very impressed by that, and I'm also 
uh, very happy with how pitching is bubbling in from the, the bottom. The interesting thing, though, is how difficult it has been to develop pitching. Uh, you know, because, yeah, you trade for Eddie Butler and Alec Mills, but they're not ideal. You try to see what Mike Montgomery has in him, but I, I think he needs a little bit more work and development at this point. Yeah, and, I think he's better suited in the bullpen. He's been so dominant in the bullpen, and he struggled out of the out of the rotation. He shows flashes, but the yeah. best stuff we've seen out of him has been when he's piggybacked off of Eddie Butler, yeah. who could be a good, decent number five pitcher one day maybe even number four, but he does need a bit more work, and he's not somebody that can really be relied upon too often, which is probably why he'll be optioned back down in a week when Hendricks comes back so he can go back into the rotation and work on his craft. Yeah, I think they have to activate John Lackey soon, and we... Let's oh, talk Lackey's about, pitching tomorrow yeah, night. Yeah, let's talk about that in a moment, but uh, if I may make a point, I think the Cubs are more willing to keep whatever uh, prospects they have now, save them for the offseason and see if they could put a package together for Chris Archer and anybody who hasn't actually been traded. First of all, they're, they're saving their money so or their prospects for a trade that could happen during the winter meetings. And secondly, they have like a few options like, say, a Hugh Darvish or an Alex Cobb that they could just throw money at rather than prospects. So there are a couple of different options that they could use uh, this year. They don't have to be pressured into a trade for a Samarja, a Gray, or anybody else. And I think uh, that's probably what's going to happen at this point. Like, you'll see the Cubs just rest and see where the dominoes fall during the trade deadline. Probably. I forgot that Zach was on the DL because he's going to pitch tomorrow night. Yeah, he has to be Which activated. It's a danger zone, but... He's not horrible. His bad starts stick out more than they probably should. When he's bad, he's really bad. Yeah. But three out of his four, like every fourth start, or three, oh, three out of every four of his starts, he pitches pretty good, puts up a good quality start. But then yeah. he lays a big fat egg and just that sticks out. Yeah, it might be And if you can get that out of him as the fifth start, fifth starter, That'd be phenomenal. Even right. if he's just a 500 pitcher out of the fifth slot, I'll still take that any day of the week. Yeah, I think that's about when you'll see Eddie Butler get optioned down. And, yeah, I and, forgot that he was yeah. still hanging around. Could it be a hero's moment through the triumph and the tears? Will you answer all? This is the interesting thing. Like, now that Quintana's here and Hendricks is coming back, you have an obvious front four of uh, Lester, then probably Arietta or Hendricks or Quintana. Like, in any order. I, I don't I don't think uh, it matters what their order is. We know those are the front four. Then number five, you have a choice. Do you stick with Blackie? Do you trade for something else? Do you stick with Montgomery or Butler, bring Butler back? What do you do? And my guess is at that point they may actually decide to either put John Lackey in the bullpen if he sucks uh, tomorrow night or they just cut their losses and designate him for assignment. Yeah, I think he's going to stick in the, in the fifth spot or they convince him to retire 
I don't think they throw him in the bullpen at all. Yeah. But he, he'll be the fifth starter. Montgomery will go back to the bullpen, in my opinion. Okay. Because Mon, Mon, Montgomery has another start uh, just after um, Blackie starts. So he's starting the series finale on Wednesday. And that'll hit, be basically his final audition before the Cubs have to make a choice, in my view. Because once uh, Hendricks is done, so this is Monday night. Hendricks is going to do a rehab start in Tennessee tonight. Uh, he's most likely going to do well. Hopefully nothing flares up, and he'll be activated next. So they're, they're just delaying everything procedurally to just maximize their options here. Yeah, I th- once Hendricks comes back, and even when Lackey comes back, after his start to Ma- on Wednesday, I still believe that Montgomery's going to go to the bullpen to be that lefty because as good as Dunsing is doing, uh, Montgomery is much better. And he's great out of the pen. He can eat up a couple of innings. Short stints, coming like once through the order. I think he'd be a great lefty out of the pen in that aspect. Yeah, so a long reliever. Yeah, Dunsing has been surprisingly good, so I I do agree with that. But you you do want a second southpaw in there as well. And now that both Lester and Quintana are available there, uh, both guys, you you have two lefties in in the rotation. You don't need a third unless, you know, they really, really want to go that route. Okay, so here's the more interesting question. Mm Mm-hmm. Once Lackey's activated tomorrow, Butler goes down. Yep. Next week, when Hendricks is activated, do they send Lestella back down, or do they send, or they get rid of another uh, reliever? And if they do, I can't see who that would be. Yeah. So I, my guess is it has to be Lestella. It will either be Tommy going down, or they designate John Lackey for assignment. And that really depends. I think they they did this on purpose. They want to see how Lackey does uh, against, you know, a team that other than, say, Matt Kemp and and, uh, Freddie Freeman, I don't think the Braves have a lot of power. So maybe maybe that's why. They want to see if he can actually hold that down hold the, down the fort against Atlanta before they decide one way or the other, do we keep you, do we bullpen you, do we, you know, send you on your way and thank you for 2016, you know? I still have a hard time thinking that they'll just designate him. I mean, granted, like Montero, he's in the last year of his contract, so there's not going to be too much money to eat. But if Boston can designate the Kung Fu Panda and eat up almost $60 million, the Cubs can easily just brush away whatever is left of Lackey's contract. So, yeah. under no circumstances is Lackey going to the bullpen. Yeah, there. That will not happen. What they could do if they want the extra bench bet is uh, if, say, Justin Grimm. Justin Grimm still has options, and every now and then he kind of lays an egg. So, they could decide after a couple of bullpen stints whether they want to keep Grimm. And. That would accommodate Lackey as well, so Lackey and Hendricks. So that's one thing that that could happen. Yeah, that that's the only thing I could think of. I I almost feel like uh, this series is essentially one you want to obviously beat the Braves and rack up some wins, of course. 
But two, you want to see where you are at in the rotation. You know what you have in Quintana. You know, uh, hopefully, what you have in John Lester, despite the fact that he got bombed the last day before the All-Star break. And you know what you should have with Arietta and Hendricks at this point. You, you basically want to see who do I want to keep as my fifth starter, and that is between Lackey and uh, Montgomery because Butler has his issues as well. And luckily, Butler has options, so he he can, you know, shuttle back and forth between here and Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I love Montgomery. This isn't a slam against him, but I'm not quite sure he's a starting, a starting pitcher. Well, not at, this at year not, anyway. At least yeah. not yet. So for this year, if I have to choose between one of those two to be my fifth starter, give me the veteran. Give me Lackey because he does know how to pitch, even if he's not pitching too too great all the time. But go ahead and look at his past few starts. It does seem like 75% of the time he's good enough to give you a quality start. It's just that 25 percentile where he just gets bombed and just people want him gone instantly. It overshadows the good pitching that he does. So, yeah, for the fifth starter, give me Lackey, hands down, if it's between those two. Yeah. That gives you the added lefty in the bullpen, somebody that's shown that they can get out, out of the bullpen. And once through the order, fantastic. After that, it's almost a question mark. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let me just interject real quick and say that for Lackey, uh, this – kind of melds with my hypothesis. Atlanta doesn't hit too many home runs. That could obviously change in a series uh, against the Cubs because, you know, just confirmation bias sells you that, you know, every bad team is going to be hot the moment they face 2017 Cubs and they're going to hit home runs and every uh, hitter is going to become Babe Ruth or Mike Trout. So you never know. But uh, Atlanta is actually uh, 12th in the NL with 93 total home runs at to this date. Uh, the Cubs are actually fifth in the NL with 127, so the Cubs have a lot more power. The uh, Braves, not so much. So I think that they want to give Lackey, that's why they set up the rotation this way, they want to give him the uh, best chance to succeed because they want to give him a fair shot. They want to see, like, okay, I know I'm going against a relatively powerless team. Let's see... If I can keep them at bay, let's see if I can keep my job before I'm forcibly retired from the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, I hated seeing Montero cut. You hate seeing somebody who's like a legitimate playoff hero for you go out the way he did. Right. And, he, and Montero's a much more of a hero in the playoffs than Lackey. Lackey kind of wasn't too good in the playoffs. Yeah. But there does come a time where you have to say goodbye to people. And if Lackey, even as the fifth starter, is doing more harm than good, then you almost have to let him go. It, it is a business, and you got to look after the other 24 guys. You can't let one guy overpower the other 24. I mean, even if for some unknown reason Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo, as good as they are, were starting to become a, a problem in the clubhouse, you'd have to find a way to get rid of them for the benefit of the team. As much as it would hurt to lose their power, their play, you can't let one take one person over the other 24. It's much easier to replace one person, even a superstar, than, the, than an entire team. 
Right. Like, say, for some reason, I don't know, Rizzo and Brian got into a huge altercation, and Rizzo crumbled, broke up, had a nasty divorce. You'd almost have to pick between the two. And I don't want to lose either one of them, but there does come a time where you have to put the team ahead of a player. Yeah. And the good news is, like, for the most part, everybody gets along, so it's not a person. Everybody loves each other, yeah. so that's not even a concern. Yeah. It was just a hypothetical situation. Oh, I totally get it. And everybody I, loves everybody. <laughs> well, for the most part, <laughs> even anyway. Even John Lackey. Fans man hate him, but his teammates reportedly love him. Yeah. He's a great teammate. And I don't know if you're an Instagram guy. My wife is. Uh, I don't have an Instagram, but she shows me, like, videos from Javi and Strope all the time. And they really welcome Jose Quintana. Like, you know, they're doing the dances and listening to music and having dinner. It, it's a lot of fun. Those guys do have a lot of fun. So I don't think personality-wise, like, the Miguel Montero situation was one of those things that was just weird. You know, you didn't expect them to yeah, it was kind of unprofessional, so I can't defend Nagy too much, but it was one of those things where you're just like, yeah, he's probably gone. And I think as long as the teammates don't throw each other under the bus, it's based on their performance. And right now, Lackey is probably the odd man out, if I were to make a guess. Yeah. I mean, even with Tommy Lestella's little tantrum last year. It was just him. Yeah, it was just him. He might be the lesser of the two evils to keep if it does come between the two of them. Mm. Yeah. Like, would you rather have an extra reliever or an extra bet? Oh, that's tough. I mean, you can't – I. Uh, that is tough. Yeah. I mean, I wish, I wish it was a 26-man roster, actually. Uh, they tried to do that in the CBA. I think that might come about in the next uh... – and, and the next CBA tweak before they have to write the new contract. But my thing is, because the Cubs are so versatile, like everybody can play multiple positions, they don't necessarily need the extra bat because of the ability to double switch. On the oh, other hand... And they have catch- yeah. both their catchers can play other positions now too, so it's... Yeah, and if you needed them to, like Schwarber can catch, and Javi probably could catch too. So, yeah, and Schwarber's the third string catcher. Javi's the emergency catcher at the fourth. Yeah. So they're pretty much set. Zobris can play damn near anywhere. Bryant can play almost anywhere. The only person that can't play more than one position is Rizzo. Yeah. Well, he, he's, sure. a, he's a second baseman for fantasy purposes now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you count those all those shifts, yeah. technically, I guess he could play second base, but... And in a pinch, if you absolutely had to, you'd probably just have him stand in left field for a little while. But yeah, he he but was actually can play everywhere. I believe he was actually set up as the left fielder on one busted play. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers did walk off, but they did a five-man outfield, and obviously you can't have two first basemen, so Rizzo stood in as the left fielder on the left side of the diamond while Schwarber came in as the first baseman. So he has that under his belt, too. So it's based on where he stands and not that he can actually play it, but I think he's got a good enough glove and athleticism that he could if he wanted to. He just – it's not ideal. But Since yeah. we're talking about Rizzo as a second baseman and, and that and the shifts, is there any dumber rule that 
in baseball, then him having to change his bat, his glove, just for like one play, so he can technically be the second baseman when charging in a bunt. I, I'm I mean, gonna have like to the dumbest rules ever, I think. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to look up the rule book to see how equipment is is set up because I, I've I think never it, seen that before. A glove can only be a certain size. At, at various positions, yeah. So I guess the first baseman's glove is a bit too big to be a second baseman's glove. Something so like that. I think that. that's the technicality right there. Yeah, and I, I don't think before 2015 they ever had that situation, or before 2016 for that matter. Uh, it was only after like Lester started having the issue and somebody complained. I don't know if it was an umpire uh, or a manager. The first time I ever saw it was in one of Madden's like weird shifts. Yeah, yeah. Rizzo at second base, and the the other team complained. No, no, that guy, that club's too big. Get rid of it. He needs to have a different club. Was it the so team or was it the umpire? Was it? Oh, the... It was the other. It was the other team. Oh, okay. Complained. That's the first time I've ever seen anybody complain about somebody's glove size. Uh-huh. Let's and take... he's going to complain about somebody's glove size. Look at Tony Campana. That glove is huge. Well, he is his And then you have. I mean, that glove is also huge. That's true. It, it looks huge. I, I think... I, oh, I don't know huge. if... like the as big as Clark's. Yeah, the only specialized gloves that I could think of other than, you know, the largeness of... An outfielder's glove versus an infielder's glove is at the catcher position and at the first base. I'll look that up. Let's table that for the next podcast. So I'll definitely look up uh, equipment rules. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think maybe the extra reliever is something that Joe likes because he likes matchups and he knows that the versatility is there. So maybe that's what the Cubs go with. But I kind of prefer the extra bet. Just, you know, in case. Yeah, I mean, the extra bat can be handy, especially with long-ending games where you need that last-minute pinch hitter. Yeah. Because you can always have a bullpen guy throw two or three innings. He yeah. won't be available for a few days, but come, like, the 18th inning, I think I'd much rather have a position player pitching Yeah. than a pitch, like a starting pitcher or a reliever being used as a pinch hitter. Right. Although it did come in handy that one time uh-huh. Oakland in 2016 when Lester laid down that beautiful bunt I that, think like 50 inning game it was no it was at home it, it had to be because it was a walk off it, it was, was against Se- Seattle yeah Seattle no. not Seattle, Oakland not it, it was AL West close enough so many so many awesome moments of awesome let's talk very quickly before we log off to watch the game danny rocket who goes by at son ranto on twitter has this awesome song that's stuck in my head about and uh yeah it's been stuck in my head for the longest time it's obviously so much better than the other song and right that guys found yeah no i can't say that he is winning a contest where he probably shouldn't be winning, where the rules are kind of sketchy and the poll is a little bit sketchy. And But at the moment, he's down by about 2%. He might be up 6%. Let me double-check because I, I think the last time he, we talked, he, he was actually up. 
the la- the very first time. Yeah, I though, checked it like right before we started this podcast. It was like forty nine to fifty one in favor of the Russell Shuffle. What? How does that happen? He <laughs> was up six really percent. He was up six percent. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this poll is broken. So we we need uh, Sportsnet fix your website poll, man. We need to get him more more uh, votes before Wednesday at eleven fifty nine. Yes. So everybody that listens to this, vote. Yeah, and even Every if you day. don't, even if you don't listen to it, vote for him anyway because that song is obviously superior. There's no way the other song should win. It's not like the other song sucks, but you know Carl Edwards Jr. That's. <laughs> That's a much funnier vote. He's down at eight percent now. I, I guess the other guy like saw the votes and decided, hey, I gotta spam the site. But uh, yeah, there's something wrong with the cookies on the site because it's uh, allowing everybody to vote multiple, multiple times. Yeah, and so I'm if fo- you don't have a job or you're bored because there's no Cubs game on until six thirty, <laughs> vote early, vote often, vote, refresh, vote, refresh, vote, refresh. Yeah. Not for Chicago. Vote that's early, vote that's often. what you do, right? Vote early, vote often, vote if you're dead. So here, here's your quote. Even if uh, you know he doesn't win, that's a good song in my book. Fantastic song. All right, we are about an hour away from game time, and I'm sure you've had a long day. I got a job, yay! So. I'm excited about that. I'm going to celebrate with the fam sooner or later. Go back a beer, celebrate, enjoy, yeah. man. Yeah, we'll tell everybody where we can find the official World Series Dreaming Twitter. <laughs> At WSDreaming underscore Cubs. We are if you all... pay attention, you might yeah. find my personal Twitter, which, I don't know, might be entertaining. Maybe. And uh, you can find me at Cubic Snarconia. We are on Facebook as well. Uh, that will be in the show notes. Our site is worldseriesdreaming.com, where you can find our blogs for news, analysis, and random fun. You don't have to go back to work for, what, a month? Uh, something like that. I, I got two weeks. We, we do have to thank Rich Deanna for our theme song and Randall Sanders for the last out. Thanks to Danny Rocket, actually, for letting us use part of the Carl Edwards song. And please rate and share this podcast when you see it. Rate, rate it on iTunes so that more people can see it. We're averaging about like 80, 80 listens per, uh, per podcast episode, which is actually pretty impressive for a small-time outfit. But... We rely mostly on word of mouth, and we appreciate your word of mouth. Please email Anno at? At WorldSeriesDreaming at gmail.com. Yeah, and we can totally appreciate any comments, inputs, and just, you know, questions that you might have. Because believe it or not, we are fairly smart. Well, it might yeah. sound like it, but... We could give you our good opinions and answer your questions. Yeah. Well, we're not definitely not dumb. No. <laughs> yeah. Smarter thanks. than most, dumber than a lot. That's true. Yeah. Let, let's put us somewhere in the middle. No, not too much conceit there. Yep. Thanks Are for ready? listening to our podcast, everybody. We really appreciate it. And once again, go Cubs. See you later. It was more than just a game.